Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing I know something about. Game shows, I suppose. Boogie, 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 boogie. <coughs> <coughs> Game shows, I suppose. I am your host, Turn Haas. I guess this is the spooky Halloween episode. I don't, I don't feel it, but uh, I guess we'll go on with it. Uh, it is, I guess, October 30th, so it makes sense. Bobby will be joining me in just a few minutes to talk about Elevator, the spooky Game Show Network game show. Uh, goes to show you that anything can happen on Halloween. Uh, but you can't go away from the most scary part, the podcast padding, also known as the news. Game show's biggest night has to be the Daytime Emmy Awards. And it was announced uh, this week that the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences are going to add a third day to the Daytime Emmy Awards. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, June 12th through the 14th at the Pasadena Civic Auditorium. In a tweet posted on October 24th, 2019, Exclusive announcement! The 47th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards will divide three award shows, Friday 612, Saturday 613, and Sunday 614. All shows will take place in Pasadena, California. We are thrilled to add a third night of celebrating the diversity and talents of our daytime community. So that's exciting, uh, three nights. So I don't know if they're going to just break it up by different things, like the creative arts is one night, the, the acting is another night, and then production's a third or they're going to make it so it's like the game shows are one night, the jury shows are the next night, judge shows, I meant, and then like the talk shows. I, it, it, it's interesting. I want to see where this goes, but but uh, it just got announced. I think that's it. I think that's a little exciting. Uh, spread it out uh, a bit here and there. At this rate, you might as well just uh, record it and then go by an hour-by-hour hour, uh, weekly episodic. Uh, next, <sighs> Floral Fabulousness in Full Bloom at HBO Max. The eight-episode, hour-long competition series features 10 of America's budding florists vying to be crowned America's best. <sighs> I mean, Doom Patrol Season 2 is going to be on HBO Max. No word on Titans. That's something. Okay, uh, Los Angeles. HBO Max continues to blossom. Ordering Full Bloom, an eight-episode hour-long competition series featuring 10 of America's budding florists vying to be crowned America's best. With incredible artistic creations in floristy face-offs, Full Bloom will allow audiences to escape into a surreal world as contestants will design and execute some of the most wondrous Wonka-esque floral creations ever seen each episode features themed challenges centered around a unique stem of the floristry world including fashion art events and weddings contestants designs and creations will be mentored and judged by legendary floristry artist maurice harris elizabeth cronin with celebrity florist simon lysett serving as host Full Bloom will transport viewers into an intricate and fantastically colorful world of competitive floristry, said Jennifer O'Connell, executive VP of Original Talent at HBO Max. 
HBO Max is the trellis for this series to bloom and shine a light on this incredibly beautiful art form. We are thrilled to be working with HBO Max and some of the most floristry artists around the world in this celebration of creativity, color, and competition, said Chris Colvainer, COCO of Eureka Productions. It's a series that lets imagination blossom. <sighs> uh, HBO Max, along with the cast and crew of Full Bloom, are committed to using all the fantastic creations from the series to brighten someone's day. At the end of each episode, unsuspecting people will be surprised with a floral extravaganza that we hope inspires everyone to always find time to stop and smell the roses. <sighs> <sighs> every day there's always a new format and it just hurts it hurts so much i mean i i don't get me wrong here i a neighbor of mine used to work in the floral industry and it is an art form and it's very beautiful and i could see that being a great uh show but the problem with a floral decorating industry is you're only as good as the flowers you have and I don't know if they're just going to go with the cheapest ones they can find or they're going to go with organic flowers or something, but I don't know. This doesn't, this sounds okay. It sounds like an interesting format, but, uh, you know, I, I've been, I've been around the block here. This feels like another, uh, arts and crafts kind of show like forged in fire or, uh, uh I guess you can also say make, uh, making it or or uh, Project Runway. I'm just realizing I'm naming a lot of game shows here. <sighs> Eventually I have to go through all of these. That's that's this podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, next, uh, breaking news, Fox announces winter premiere dates. Joy, uh, Flirty Dancing, the innovative new series is part performance, part blind dates, all about romantic chemistries. Previews, December 29th following NFL on Fox. In the show, hosted by actress, producer, and dancer Jenna Dowen, uh, complete strangers are taught a dance routine, then meet for the first time on a blind date at a breathtaking location as they dance together without saying a word. Singles will perform a different choreographed dance with each of the two potential love interests before choosing the one with whom he or she has the strongest connection. Will it be love at first dance? Uh, something about last man standing, who cares? Uh, there's new, there's deputy coming soon. Okay. Gordon Ramsay's 24 hours to hell and back. That's a, that's a documentary series, not a game show. 911. No. Owen Strand. No. Outmatched. No. That's a that's a sitcom. Mask Singer returns for a third season, February second. They're not even done with this season. February second, folks, get excited. Following Super Bowl Fifty Four, uh, it makes its time period premiere Wednesday, February fifth. Singing competition features celebrities facing off in a major twist. They're all in those elaborate costumes. Uh, following Mask Singer on Wednesday, February 5th, is a new competition series. Finally, they're going to put it up there. Lego Masters. It's been like a year. Uh, based on the British reality competition series, which I love. I love Lego Masters. 
it brings imagination, design, and creativity to life when teams of Lego enthusiasts go head-to-head with infinite possibilities and an unlimited supply of Lego bricks. Teams of two will compete against each other in ambitious brick-building challenges to be crowned the country's most talented amateur Lego builder. In each episode, the competing pairs who most impress the judges will progress to the next round until the finale, during which the top teams will face off for a cash prize, the ultimate Lego trophy, and the grand title of Lego Master. Uh, looks like, okay, so, Duncanville, okay, another one of these, uh, looks like this is a animated comedy, let's all laugh out loud, (sighs) I'm gonna be honest, I'm getting kind of sick of the adult animation industry, I understand the appeal, uh, because it's basically, you can get away with a lot more things on an animated budget, but, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if I'm getting jaded because of Adult Swim, or... Just like all of the the flash animation I see on YouTube, but just it's just I don't know. Uh, anyway, countdown twenty twenty with Fox's New Year's Eve with Steve Harvey. <sighs> this anyway series premiere of Flirty Dancing is January first, so get excited. Fridays still SmackDown. They still are planning on SmackDown. Great. Next. Uh, do you like experiences? You know, this new trend I see, you know, we are in the, in the haunted house world right now in Halloween. A lot of people pay money to go to experience spooky houses, uh, or they go to, uh, the, these weird elaborate torture chambers, or they go to, um, the void or they go to, uh, what, what's the, what's those escape rooms. They go to escape rooms. Uh, and, and in the UK, there's always experiences based on television shows. I've seen one based off The Crystal Maze. I've seen one based off Hunted. But uh, Hasbro and Celador Worldwide announced plans to adapt iconic brand Monopoly into a live-action immersive experience. I know what you're saying. What the fuck does that mean? Well, Monopoly's a game. And an experience, a live immersive experience, means it's a presentation, a show, if you will. So theoretically, this is technically a game show. A global play and entertainment company, Hasbro Incorporated, are excited to announce a new partnership with theater par- producer Celador. That's that's who that's Cell, like S E L L L. Worldwide to adapt uh, Hasbro's iconic brand Monopoly into a fantastic immersive experience, due to open at a secret location in london in 2020 the monopoly experience is expected to incorporate a 75 minute segment featuring challenges for teams to compete together in order to move along the monopoly board and buy property global play and entertainment company hasbro inc are excited to announce a new partnership to uh, adapt the iconic brand monopoly into a fantastic immersive experience uh after launching Monopoly, household favorite and most popular game across the globe, Hasbro and Celador plan to roll out numerous exciting and innovative consumer experiences over the next few years beyond utilizing the wider Hasbro brand portfolio. David Hutchinson, CEO of Celador, says, We've been working for over a year with Hasbro on this exciting partnership, developing our concept and vision into bring one of the world's biggest, I don't know why he's doing a Scottish accent, uh, the world's biggest board game brands in to life in this thrilling experimental theater landscape. 
Uh, trends in our sector are moving in a very exciting direction with demand for a new generation of theater goers looking to experience live theater differently and to be immersed in the world of narrative in a different way. I couldn't think of a better organization to partner with in this growing market than the company who have brought together family and friends for decades to play some of their iconic games. We look forward to launching Monopoly in London in 2020 with our eyes set on other key international markets where we are keen to roll the experience out. I'm guessing roll is supposed to be a pun because the roll to die i don't know it's incredibly exciting to be finally announcing our future plans to team at Cellular, said matt prox pvp of location-based entertainment at hasbro that's a that's a position i'm vp of location-based entertainment Launching the Monopoly experience in London next year will be the beginning as we are excited to bring up more of our iconic brands to the stage in the future uh I- I guess that's ex- exciting to see what they do with Monopoly. But at the same time, like, isn't this, like, supposed to be the why capitalism fails and why, you know, landlords are horrible people? I can only imagine this gets successful and then they start building more and more and start gentrifying different areas. And not just, like, London, but, like, then, like, the countryside. Then, like, they go to America and they start, like, tearing down, like... Old, old people homes and maybe like children's hospitals just so they can have this one experience this monopoly experience board game it's just it's just i don't i like the idea of a monopoly uh eccentric game because i mean like if, if we're excited about like void having ghostbusters and star wars surely we'll be excited about look at this big ass monopoly board and now you yell at each other because you don't know the rules of Monopoly. Also, someone will be stuck as a thimble, and I think that would be very funny. Uh, next, Quibby. Fuck! God damn it, fucking Quibby. Fucking Quibby. Fucking, fucking Quibby. Fuck you, Quibby. Fuck, fucking Quibby. Fuck the Quibby. Fuck the Quibby. Sorry, folks. If you're, I know you probably this might be your first episode if you never tuned in. I just don't like Quibi. I think Quibi is a bust, and it hasn't even launched yet. It's all his venture capital things, and I don't think a lot of these shows are going to be any good. It feels like they're just creating a new YouTube. Like, all of these feel like six-minute YouTube videos. Anyway, Quibi, Green Lights, comedy game show. Nice one with Ron Funches. Fucking Ron Funches. And it's Ron Funches? Okay. Didn't he defend Chris Hardwick? Never mind. Uh, Quibi has greenlighted Nice One, a new comedy game show hosted by stand-up comedian, actor, and writer Ron Funches. The competition features comedians attempting to cleverly out-compliment one another in a showdown of sweetness and consideration. <laughs> so it's basically toast battle. Over in, uh, over in Scottsdale, Arizona, there's this thing called a toast battle. It's kind of like a roast battle, but instead of... Uh, saying uh mean things about your opponent you say really backhanded compliments to one another and i think that's kind of fun i'm excited to bring the type of positive optimist and sharp humor i enjoy to quibi says funches in today's world i think it's important that we choose to look at the positives in life that's what i'm about and that's what nice one's about nice one's executive produced by tom brunel and brad wallach of free 90 media evie rigev melanie truhat and ron funches himself nice one is in production uh, and then they're going through his whole resume, including he has written for Eric Andre and The Kroll Show and Conan and Tonight Show. 
Man, uh, he also has a winter stamp special called Ron Funches' Giggle Fit on Comedy Central and seen in the feature Jexy with Adam Devine and Alexander Ship, repped by CAA and True Het Management. If it's one thing I know, online companies love, it's working with uh, unions and working with agencies like CAA. Anyway, they have $150 million in uh, launch year advertising inventory. Gee, Ron Funches, you are so happy and so smiley. It is just infectious. It's going to be so infectious that I think like the, these companies, when they have to come up with a new kind of, of disease, they'll call something the Funches after Ron Funches. And it's going to be that thing when you feel so much pain that you can't help but laugh and giggle. Like, you know, you stub your toe and you're like, ah! <laughs> and you're just smiling and gagging because you're like, man, fuck my life. That's Ron Funches. That's what's going to be called from, the, from here on out. When you smile and laugh and you go like, man, fuck my life, but you still laugh at it. That's called a Ron Funches. Thanks, Ron Funches. We have Funches for Bunches. And the big news for the day is merger. That's right. Another merger. And as you all know here, mergers always means layoffs. So, Hollywood Reporter is reporting from Big Brother Survivor, Kardashians, and Black Mirror, 10 hits of the merged Bonajay Endemol. In the age of industry consolidation, the mega deal of the TV production powerhouse is about to scale global reach and programming franchises. French TV is Banerjee Group, uh, and they're set to acquire Endemol Shine from Walt Disney and Apollo Global Management. So this is the team behind Black Mirror and Pinky Blinders and MasterChef and Survivor, Big Brother. And it's, this is going to be very interesting. So here's what's going to be interesting. Banna J, if you don't know, uh, they own Survivor. They own the Castaway Television Production Group in 2017. Uh, also, Endemol Shine, which which maybe you do not know, owns Big Brother. So the Survivor and Big Brother teams are going to merge together. That's very fascinating. Uh, Banerjee owns Wife Swap, that weird uh, documentary series. Not only that, but this is also interesting, they also own Temptation Island. Uh, but Endemol owns Master Chef. They also own Deal or No Deal. Banerjee owns Fort Boyard. But here's the interesting thing. Even though Banjay owns Fort Boyard, Endemol, I believe, owns Fear Factor. So that's also fascinating <laughs> to this world. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's kind of like everything is going to be mirrored or merged. The Crystal Maze is now up to Endemol Shine. And Endemol Shine, in a weird world, have so many shows. If you ever just feel bored and want to be like what the hell how does jordan feel so smart just go to endemolshinegroup.com and you can see a list of all the formats they have for instance in addition to black mirror they have beat the bach which has never been shown in america but i kind of like it you'll you won't know at all about it but i i love it uh yeah there's fear factor yeah there's deal or no deal but have you ever heard about changing rooms which is called trading spaces out here that's also them have you ever heard of the Million Dollar Money Drop or just the Money Drop? That's also Endemol Shine. MasterChef, also here. Hunted, also them. Would you also be understanding about Pointless, the BBC show, also from them? The Wall is now an Endemol Shine show. Not only that, but also Ready, Steady, Cook, also as Ready, Set, Cook, one of the earliest food competition shows ever to be recorded. The, the first on the Food Network. They also own Minute to Win It. 
They have the distribution rights to Fox's Beat Shazam. Also, I think they're in partnership with the Society game. Uh, so that means because they own the they have the Society game from Asia and South Korea, they might also own the Genius. So there's a whole lot of formats, a whole lot of shows that are on th that are on the line with this merger. And I'm going to say it right now. I have to say I I did work uh, for the production house at Big Brother once, um, but I also know some of the people at Endemol. Uh, very closely, and they are some of the nicest, friendliest people, at least out here in North America. And this merger, I think, is going to be very interesting uh, because Endemol is one of my favorite production companies. I always think the modern formats, you got Fremontal, you got Endemol. I used to forget about Banajay, but I guess Banajay is now in the Endemol group. So that's kind of fascinating. Does this mean... I do not know. I just know there's going to probably be layoffs in the upcoming months because of these mergers. But once you consolidate all the formats into one large portfolio, it's going to be all about trying to do international uh, formats. A lot of these shows never showed up since the early 2000s and 90s. And because we're in Generation Remix right now, we could very well see a remake or a reboot of some formats you might have forgotten about. But... uh does that mean fear? That's my wipeout. Wipeout might return. Now that I think about it. Hooray! Folks, we're getting wipeout again. And most likely, they still will never call me or send me a C&D. Even though I love those guys. Oh well. Think that sounds spooky? Just wait. In a moment, you'll be hearing the creepy, haunting, fun sounds of Halloween. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Count Chocula, and I love anything spooky, like Frankenberry, Booberry, and Count Chocula cereals. Now, grab a spoon, pour yourself a bowl, sit back, and try not to be too afraid, because the spooky sounds of Halloween are about to begin. I'll be honest, I don't really do Halloween. As I said in the Release the Hounds episode with Shan Struzzi, I can't really do haunted houses. I'm one of those punch-the-scare-actor kind of people, and all of those places have a strict don't-touch-the-actors rule. Believe me. So I'm just putting this flashlight to my face, I guess for the Mac purposes, to talk about Halloween with game shows. Game shows are a genre of television, but horror can be a theme. Rather, it's 13 Fear is Real, or Exit on Sci-Fi, or Game Show Network's Inquisition. If it plays somewhat creepy, sometimes that entices people into watching. So what we are about to see is a reality competition series that is nothing short but groundbreaking in a horror facet. Instead of feeling like a game show, it feels like an episodic horror show featuring contestants playing, oh no, snakes and spiders, for money, but with a spooky ghost story in between. Every year for Halloween, I get a bowl of Count Chocula, dress up as Nightwing, and hand candy out to children, while playing one of the latest video games to come out. It hasn't really changed much in the last decade, which you might say shows signs I refuse to mature and grow up. But joke's on you. I give out the full-size candies. Anyway... 
With the horror movie team behind Paranormal Activity, working with the unbearably cheap game show network, can they create something that pleases both the horror movie aficionados and the people who just can't get enough of Steve Harvey's Family Feud? Can you combine the audiences of both the Purge films with those of Idiot Test? We're about to find out. Let's turn the tables. With me on the line is one of the co-hosts, actually probably the host of the Bobby Horror Picture Show, available uh, soon on the Buzzcast Networks. Give it up for Mr. Bobby Horror himself, Bobby Bobalom. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Jordan. I'm, I'm glad to be on the podcast. You are a horror connoisseur, an expert in horror. And this is. And I, I appreciate you uh, signifying that you know I am the host, even if it's just banked off, you know, based off seniority. I'm the host over sleeves on the Bobby Horror Show. So yeah, you're you're nailing all the facts. And and you are the horror expert of the show. Sleeves is a child, PG thirteen and under for him. Yeah, he is the uh, the horny expert, being the thirteen year old, not the horror. And, and what better way to celebrate our horror Halloween special, our Halloween spooktacular, than a spooky game show from the Game Show Network, uh, Elevator? Elevator. It's uh, it had these people freaked out. It it is a quite a spooky uh spooky show. Uh, before we get into really explaining what the hell Elevator is. Is one of the rare times I can say Game Show Network did like a horror game show. That's never really a, a thing in the in this world is a genre bending thing. Usually, a game show is like an in studio thing, or there's some level of mysticism, like a reality show themed around it. But this one, I think they were trying to lean more towards the horror movie than really a game show. Yeah, I mean, it felt more like a. Something that somebody would want to go to right around now, uh, you know, go to the haunted house, but it had it set up to where you could win some money and uh, had a storyline going in with it. And one of the most interesting things, there's like a couple of interesting things here. Uh, the executive producers. Now, normally when you listen to the show, you'll hear me say, oh, you know, it's Fremontal Media. Oh, it's Endemol Productions. I can add, I have to say this out loud. This is Bloomhouse. <laughs> this is a Blumhouse production, as in Paranormal Activity, The Purge. Uh, what am I missing here? Uh, All sorts of stuff. I think they're The Conjuring, and so, so it's like these are the people who have, when you give them a limited budget, can make a magical horror movie exist. And it's like, this is Game Show Network, a very low-tier cable network, and let's give them a budget to come up with a game show. And essentially, uh, for those of you in the game show world, the best way to explain this is, imagine the Crystal Maze at Halloween Horror Nights with Oh No Snakes and Spiders. Yeah, the the one girl was super pissed about spiders and snakes and stuff and rats. I just to me, I just before we get to like I I, I keep saying before we get to it. That's just some that's a trope I dislike in game shows when they try to add a fear element is just throw snakes and spiders and 
it to me it feels like a cheap scare in fact this show's mostly cheap scares now that i think about it oh yeah the whole thing they get in there and then the first scare is within like 10 seconds somebody pops out on them yeah this is like they have scare actors like halloween horror nights they pop out and they go boo and it's like jump scares and i hate jump scares i'm a puncher bobby i don't ever tell you this i'm a puncher if a guy pops out at me i deck him in the face yeah all these people were uh they were like just kind of like scared, petrified, but they weren't going to hurt them. You, you wouldn't be good for the game show, I guess. I would not. I would be. I would be kicked out immediately, or they would have to be like, "Yeah, Jordan has to be the one in the cage because we know we can't trust him <laughs> to go into the main game." <laughs> so there was. There's... It was. It, it was funny seeing like how they were all pretty scared. Like it was a scared bunch. I think there's four of them. And, uh, but yeah, just like seeing that the girls even thought the boys were more scaredy cats than them is funny. It's such a fun show. So there's two seasons. The one that we saw was from season two. Uh, between the two, I would say season two was actually a much better show, even though it was a much cheaper budget. So let's get into the game. Season one rules, which you haven't seen. Uh, essentially, uh, it's set inside an abandoned slaughterhouse. Woogie, boogie, boogie, boogie. In reality, the slaughterhouse has been converted into um, essentially a studio back lot. Like, it's actually used in commercial shoots and all that. But the exterior still makes it look like a slaughterhouse. And in season one, instead of four contestants, it was three. And they were all friends. Like, they all knew each other because they're my best friend. And this is my, uh, my fiancé. And the idea is that they get told a spooky story before entering the elevator, which mysteriously pops up with spooks. And uh, each episode was basically around a different type of horror that's like a very macabre kind of basic horror story, you would say, like the the butcher, uh, the butcher shop. This was the abandoned slaughterhouse of a butcher. And one day he went crazy and he killed his wife and he grinded her feet and, and hands and turned it into ground meat and forced the kids to eat it. Boogie, boogie, boogie. Like things like that. Like that kind of s silly, cheap scare. Yeah, this one was like, um, it's sort of, uh, you know, they're kind of doing their leather face or something, the kind of Texas chainsaw feel with, like you're saying, Slaughterhouse. And then, yeah, this guy, their backstory, he kills his wife, grounds her up, eats her. He likes it so much that he's like, this is my new jam, and I'm going to start selling it to people down the road because they said everybody else loved his food. Exactly. So there's a big premise. Season one is similar to season two in this regard. So what they do is with a team of three, uh, there's three games, an easy, medium, hard. First game is worth $5,000 and it's played with one person. The other two are on walkie-talkies. Uh, they basically tell the first part of the story and then they want to do like a reenactment. So Save because of butcher shop game. Uh, so you, your job is you have to grind exactly one pound of meat, but you don't know where the meat is. So you have to go into the chill chest and look in the meat locker, and you see people hanging. So they get like actual body parts hanging, and then you get an actual like suspended person who does that suspension fetish. And once in a while, as they're looking for ground beef to then grind up. Boo! Jump scare. And but be careful if you cannot finish the task and get back in the elevator in time. 
the 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 butcher will get you and there's a simulated death like we are to assimilate that the contestant dies And they put the time limit on them, and uh, I mean that's really going to affect somebody like me if I'm on the show. Because I think the the coolest way to win something if it's timed is just right at the buzzer. So I'm going to kind of goof around at the start and then just crush it for the last like 45 seconds. And uh, you know it's either going to be good for TV or I'm going to fail right away. I guess. Yes. If you complete the talents, you're not dead. You get money added to your bank no matter what happens. And then you go to the final game, the Labyrinth. Uh, this is repeated three times. First is for 5,000. Second is for 10,000. Third is for 15,000. And the simulated death, if it happens. In the Labyrinth, essentially it was you got to go through a universal horror house maze. And there's like little mini challenges like digging into a tunnel, uh as a clown starts splatting pain at you and starts giggling, he 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 he, uh, you have to basically find money bags. That's it. But the catch is it's also like a scavenger hunt, and there is a MacGuffin because they told you a story. So in this case, it's well, the butcher shop, if you find the butcher shop's machete, which is in the labyrinth, and put it in the acid. This will stop the curse of the slaughterhouse, and he will be avoided, and you will get $5,000. <laughs> so it becomes somewhat of a, their contestants, and they're actually in a story of they have to stop the butcher man. Uh, and there's $20,000 bag. So ultimately, if they play it correctly, plus I believe a $5,000 bonus MacGuffin, they can get $50,000 or so. Oh, yeah, I mean, for, for basically going through, like, um, they're doing what other people pay yes. right about now, you know, Halloween and everything, to just go and get scared. But they're getting an option to make two grand on the side mission and then maybe get ten or more in the final round. Yes. Like, it's pretty sweet, actually. And it's because season one was they threw out those that money big. Uh, they had a lower budget for season two. And in season two, I think it's a lot better. And this is what becomes Halloween Horror Nights because now there's a group of four instead of a group of three. They're all in a certain group, like chefs or cheerleaders or whatever. And right when they're entering the show and they're thinking, oh, we're going to have fun, lights go out. They're freaking the hell out. Suddenly, the lights go back on and one of them is missing. The camera turns to show them in like a torture chamber, essentially. And are told, if you want to free your friend, you have to go through the elevator. <laughs> and now there's stakes. And everybody's afraid of the elevator. I mean, the name itself is scary. It's it's a elevator. And it's just, essentially, the elevator, it is an actual working elevator. But the catch is that the walls are actually fake. Because then that way they can input different things like fake fingers or eyeballs or drop worms on them or walkie-talkies or camera effects. And there's even... Scary shit and uh, stuff they need to keep going on the game show. Yeah, give them some walkie-talkies so they can talk back to their friends. Which actually, that's something funny in it. Because then it just kicks back to like the scared guy and he's just like, you got it. And the other chick's just freaked out while having a, you know... Yeah, there's a panic attack because of because oh no, snakes and spiders are in the in the trunk. There's there's worms. There's worms, Bobby. Yeah, goddamn worms and the little things when I'm reaching my hands through. 
Oh no, a tarantula. And yeah, I mean it's uh like these people clearly couldn't have gone on fear factor or something because they were terrified by all of this. They uh and maybe maybe their thing is just jump scares, but nobody seemed to do well with the animals. I don't do well with animals, but again, I also think it's kind of like uh, almost an abuse of the animals in a certain way because it's like. If you if you were one like if you get one of those fight or flight people, they would squish the bug or punch the cockroach or something. Yeah, it's not that nice. Like they did put um, I mean you'd say a rat, but it was kind of just a cute huge mouse. They put it in the the bread basket or something with uh the woman's head, so somebody had to kind of get near it to get a piece they wanted. Yeah, the idea for this one challenge was basically a little get bit cheese. of abuse. Yeah, a little bit of a, it's kind of using that animal funny. I won't lie. Bloomhouse is walking the line. There is mouse traps that were live too, which also was a bit creepy. Uh, but they were trying to go for the comedy factor of ah mouse trap ah. Uh, so in round two, which is a much better because one person's trapped. Now the games are two thousand, three thousand, five thousand dollars, meaning it's ten thousand dollars. But now instead of a simulated death. Uh, they just get trapped into the torture chamber with the last contestant. So now they have a friend to hang out with as they get covered in snakes and spiders. Yeah, and it's like every time a new person comes in, they do a new thing. I think it started with one snake, and then maybe it was that they had then uh, two rats were let in the room when another person came. Yes, and then the wall started dripping blood. Like, just yeah, corny I, uh, as corn syrup blood. Yeah, it was super corny, but it was funny to see the girl go, Oh, it's dripping blood! <laughs> now, what makes the show exciting, and I know what you're saying, because the way we're presenting it right now, it sounds like the most fucked up game show ever created. <laughs> but I mean, there's, there's, the comedy there's comes no scare. The, the, the first time somebody walks by, it's like, oh, they're not going to touch me, so I just, I can do this. They touch him. <laughs> this is not like a horror show where it's like you can't touch the content. No, they encourage you to like tap them on the shoulder, <laughs> or just like uh, like just like do the tap on the head, and that's it. Uh, but what I thought was fun is that uh, the show itself is hosted by the Saska Swisters, uh, Saska Sisters, also known as the Twisted Twins. And yeah, the twist. Okay, yeah, this is this was the highlight of the show. You're gonna set it up. The twisted twins are running shit. I'm okay. I, you had they had me at the start. Now I don't. I'm not familiar with the twisted twins myself. I know they show up at the Los Angeles horror convention every year. Okay, but other than that, and their love of horror movies that I see on social media every so often, I know nothing about them. Well, I mean, it's just, it's a big deal. You know, you're friends with Franklin, you know, twins. Anytime there's twins around, you know, it's interesting. You got to kind of check it out. And twins. Uh, and yes, these are essentially, it's their their outfits are part, almost look like Hocus Pocus meets the Hex Girls from Scooby-Doo. And they're basically the perfect identical twin spooky team because they can both, say at the same time wanna play and then it's just that oh shit things got real so then they put on the intercom like so and so you must exit the elevator in the butcher shop uh the guy used to uh used uh cadaver meat and would break into uh the graveyards so your job is to dig into the coffins to find the body parts 
You must total exactly one and a half pounds in two and a half minutes and get back in the hell of it. <laughs> and then suddenly... Yeah, the time like, to where it's just, oh, you got to deal with the body part. And, uh, if you can get over that pretty fast, maybe you'll find everything. And the catchphrase of the show is, your nightmare starts now. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, this is yeah, a freaking I mean, the- nightmare. <laughs> doing their best to try and be mean i mean uh they weren't that scary but uh they were trying to be jerks they were they were jerks they were complete assholes to the contestants but i think that's part of the the appeal of the show itself is these are people who for like it feels like this is their money they don't want them here they're forced into this game and they want them not only gone but dead (laughs) and at the same time so they can feed others and at the same time, they do this like Ono oh Spook Snakes and Spiders spooky challenge. When you see them go through the games, and these are relatively simple puzzles. Like this is simply like put your hand in a hole and hope there's a number. Find the four digit combo, open the gate, and leave. Like that's usually the games. I uh, I noticed something really funny with the first game. This guy's in the kitchen and he has to reassemble the wife. I think of uh, the husband since he's cut her head off and other limbs but okay first thing he gets is a hand and then he walks over to the body and tries to stick it onto an elbow like he's not missing a fucking forearm when clearly the other arm just needed a hand and it's like this guy's i knew he wasn't going to make it right from then he didn't even know his anatomy right and not only that but because he didn't know the anatomy right the Twisted Twins are watching this and almost like in a mystery science theater fashion, just keep insulting the contestants as they're going through. And it's like, they are aware that's not an elbow, right? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And then when he started doing good, they're like, oh, he seems like he's put together a, a cadaver before, like trying to imply he's some horn dog creep. You know, the Twisted yeah. Twins, they're really throwing some shit around. And slightly in a horny way, too. Slightly horny. That's how I read it. I mean, it might have just been me. No, I I read it as also slightly horny as well. Uh, Yeah, those twins. Which, in a way, is kind of funny in a way that it it kind of alleviates the scary factor of the show. Uh, But also, it tries to add comedy to it. So they celebrate when someone gets trapped and they run out of time. They don't enter the elevator. And, of course, they get pissed if someone completes the game and enters the elevator. Because then they're rejoicing with their friends, and they're like, yay, yay, woo! Uh, So, if they survive, of course, there's money guaranteed. But not only that, but it also gives them an advantage going into the new final round. Now, in Season 2, everything was themed around the Seven Deadly Sins. The casting of the contestants is something based on the Seven Deadly Sins. For instance, chefs for gluttony. Or uh, cheerleaders for pride. Something where it's a sinful kind of job. Uh, to which they created the Inferno final round. And I like this round so much more than the Labyrinth. Because one, there's stakes. You know, free your friend. But also there's some sort of risk-reward element added to the game as well. So in the final round of this new version of Elevator, there's seven minutes on the clock... Their goal is to 
basically tag a partner and then they run down a corridor and there's one of seven rooms and each of the seven rooms is based on the seven deadly sins so you know envy gluttony greed lust uh pride sloth and wrath on top of my head uh if they complete a challenge one of those rooms is blocked off so that gives them a slight advantage one of the seven rooms holds the key to rescue their friends but the rest of them hold money so there becomes a, a decision. Once you find the key, do you rescue your friends immediately? Or if there's like four or five minutes left on the clock, do you run back into one of these rooms, grab more money before leaving? Exactly, because then you're pulling a heist on the game show. And, you know, it's all about you getting out with that dough and getting your buddies out. So it works on a double level. And my favorite room, I don't know if it was in the episode because I, I watched two of them was Greed, where they were in the bank vault. <laughs> they had the bank vault in the one I watched, yeah. So the bank vault for Greed. Because when you think Greed, you think money, of course. And when you think money, you think a bank. The goal was simple. You had to open up safety deposit vaults like inside the, this little mini bank. And some of them had spiders. Uh, some of them had fingers. Some had tarantulas. One had an exploding ink money thing that was funny. Uh, and then there is like two parts of a code. So it's like 1349. And then you had to input the four digit code into the safe and it either had money in it or it had the key. And the way they like did the direction of the show when it came to this vault where they're running down the corridor, it felt like, you know, the horror movie chase sequence, like the monster's out to get you. You better run. You gotta run. (laughs) Gotta get out of here. Meanwhile, the Sasuke sisters are on the intercom like, You have successfully beat Envy and have scored $9,000 if you can leave the hell of it. If you can get out. If you can pull off the heist. If you can pull off the heist. The one we saw they did, which was great. Good for them. I mean, the chefs made out pretty good, huh? I was worried about it. I mean, guy doesn't know that hand needs a forearm before the elbow, but in the end, they all made some money, and the main girl did pretty good herself because she won. Uh, she went three thousand when she did the mouth bit thing. Yes. Where she had to grab it out of the tub herself and throw it in a, a little dumpster. Yeah, pretty much. She uh, she did real good. She's in, she could be in oceans. The oceans crew. She that is a oceans type uh, contestant right there. If there's like a new version of Oceans, get her involved. I know this is like a three, like a four-year-old game show, but I'm sure she'll still do it. Um, gotta exactly. get back in the game, well, right? They just did. They did the Ladies Ocean, so you know if they do the sequel on that, this this chick from Elevator, she better be on it. She better be in the oceans, from yeah. oceans to oceans. Get Pitbull back on uh, board. A classic, uh, Ocean, Ocean, Ocean. Jeff Gibson, my buddy. I think that's his favorite song. I'm still a fan of Pitbull's other hit, uh, Mr. Worldwide, uh, Back in Time. That's my favorite Pitbull song. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I'll have to see if Jeff likes all of the discography or just Ocean, Ocean. It is a uh, is a tough decision because, you know, Mr. Worldwide, you know, Pitbull, he's where the party's at. I've been saying this since since the days of Shark Tank. Uh, Pitbull parties. Pitbull does a lot of things, and parties one one of them. He is the real life Slurms McKenzie. 
I've been saying this forever. All of us, if all of us were a little more like Pitbull, be a lot more happiness in the world. A bit more world peace, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> so it, it becomes this great game show. Uh, what I like is the budget. Yes, yeah, season two, it was just this like get lower stakes. You don't really get a bigger prize money, but the way they handle the heist part of it makes it exciting. In if they fail, by the way, uh, their implied death is they get put into like electric chairs in torturous rooms and they start screaming out loud. And it's implied that they're tortured to death. It's fun. Yeah, it's 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 family fun. I uh, bring your family I mean, to watch Elevator. I mean, Bloomhouse had to have pitched this and said that you know the nine-year-old in the family, all the way to the nineteen-year-old, to the you know however old the twenty-two-year-old parents, they're all gonna love it. The nanas are gonna love it. It's, so, it's scary game shows. It is a scary game show. Uh, they so only had, it's like, had it's had two seasons. Is it is it gonna have a third? Is that booked? No, because uh, it got canceled in 2016. Unfortunately. Oh, okay, okay. So they originally, so it basically was supposed to be like their Halloween show. Like if it's this game show network Halloween special, it would be okay. Uh, season one was 2015. Season two was 2016. So I'm assuming they were having something planned for 2017 and it just kind of dipped out. Um. Which is That's kind of a, a shame. shame. I hope, got a boy. I hope the twisted twins landed on their feet. I we should probably double check right now. Let's see what they have been doing since. Uh, yeah, find uh, out. Yeah, find out if they're in Burbank or something too. They might need to, you know, they are make from, some new friends. They are Canadian, but apparently, oh goodness, uh, they were in the Dead Rising Watchtower uh, movie. Okay. And Good for them. recently in Rabid, which is in the which was in theaters August 26, 2019, during Fright Fest. Okay, well that's that's their thing. Scary. They do horror. They do spooky. It's the spooky times. Uh scary ladies, the scary twins. Okay, well they're probably doing all right. I mean, they wouldn't have hurt if they kept their game show. They could be doing all of this, I'm sure. Yes, Rabbit, by the way, uh, is a remake of David Cronenberg's film of the same name, starring Laura Vanderbilt and CM Punk. CM Punk, okay, wow. CM Punk? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's very obscure. Is he like, is he gonna like do a, like a, a pipe bomb promo during the movie? Yeah, uh, wow. He learns something every day, and it's usually something weird as shit nowadays. <laughs> this, this isn't uh, Billy talking to Brad. This is Phil Brooks talking. <laughs> uh, I, I that that sounds funny. I gotta now find this movie <laughs> for the late night uh, horror movie watch. Uh, they, I mean, they do have a collaboration with WWE on occasion, so that's fun. Uh. This is kind of interesting to find out about Elevator. There is a few other horror-themed game shows. We talked about Release the Hounds uh, earlier this year with Shan Strusey. Uh That one, uh, just, to, just to sum it up here, is contestants get chased by dogs. Oh, shit. Now that's scary. Yes. So it was like the faster they complete a spooky challenge, the, the quicker the finish line is, so it makes it easier. 
and then they get chased by dogs, and if they bite them, they're they're out. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you're not faster than a dog, so good luck. So they didn't have released the hounds in America, so this was our closest to a spooky kind of game show here with Elevator, which is kind of safer because there is no uh, running away from dogs. It's running away from a little person dressed as a little girl giggling while on a tricycle. Yeah, in this one, they had a girl come through and they gave her some weird glasses so that she had red eyes and she was like holding intestines almost as if it was like a jump rope or something. And you're supposed to assume like, oh, no, if I die, that will be my intestines and she's going to jump rope them. It's like, fuck, I just wanted to go on a game show. I didn't know this was actually going to be like The Shining. <laughs> it's just like, hey, all work and no play, right? I'm just I'm a chef. Fuck! <laughs> I, I wanted to be on Chopped, not be Chopped myself. They, they made a, they all had to wear their, you know, chef outfit and have the hat and everything. And it's just, I mean, they don't look like a very intimidating crew to be going through the horror house. But then they're forced to wear white. So that way, when they throw the blood on them, ha ha ha. Now they're covered in mm -hmm. red blood. He, he, he. Ha ha ha. Ho, ho, ho. I mean, the. The, the Twisted Twins, uh, they got outdueled by uh, some what some people would say some dorky-looking chefs at the start. They were really dorky chefs. The, and one was a very stereotypical chef, by the way, like the big plump guy. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was, it was all, you know, uh, cats, really, when it came to the task. And then uh, they just kind of tied in everything that they had to, you know— try to make the sausage with his, because uh, his recipe was like a finger, a heart, and then normal stuff. And it's like, and then he couldn't figure out where things were, even though they were a label, and then it forced the Twisted Twins to go like, we have it labeled for him. We couldn't make this any easier for him, unless we had like bright light up letters. Yeah, I don't think the, uh, I don't think the twins were impressed by him. They probably weren't talking much after the show. They weren't. They weren't going to be friends later. Yeah. Um, and then, if they survive, they leave the elevator. They hug, and then one final jump scare appears, and then they run out the door. And then they do their. Hi, we're great friends. Uh, sucks that our friends gone or whatever, but we got twenty thousand dollars. Hooray! Fuck yeah, we pulled off the heist of all heists since Ocean's 11 or 12 or 13 or the new one, 8. So what you're saying is, Hellavir is just an Ocean's movie, but with a spooky theme. Pretty much. I mean, that's the aspect I liked about it. When you're in the bank vault room and you get to just pull some money out of one of them, hell yeah. That's all you need to do. And then, like, if there was, like, I think it was probably great. It was probably Glennie, probably. It was one where it was they they were in like a room where there was like fat and all they had to do was just like siphon out like using a pipe or something like use a giant straw to leak out uh, butter. Chick that was doing it on this one had it so messed up. She, uh, I mean, she clearly had never siphoned any gas or anything before because she's doing it on the same level. She didn't put the bucket lower than the cadaver so that it would start flowing, and she's just struggling at the start you know and that was like a waste of like three minutes of a seven minute run so when that happened yeah. everyone's thinking oh no this is it this is no they're not going to do it 
Yeah, it was actually quite the comeback to get back from that because, yeah, she uh, she must have always had gas and never, didn't know how to siphon something. Folks, I'm just saying it's okay to siphon gas as long as you don't know the person. Or if you look hey, at the bumper stickers. As long as you don't get caught, my friend Sleeves would say a lot of crimes are cool. I don't know if I agree with him, but he's been saying that a lot. So, you know, if you don't get caught siphoning, maybe it's cool. I'm not sure. Uh, folks, just want to know if you see a Punisher with a blue stripe down the line, that's the international symbol for it's okay to siphon their gas. Yeah, that's the symbol, exactly. I'm glad that, you know, people are starting to learn that. The blue line, the blue line is it's okay. It means it's like a difficult one to do, but it's okay. Anything else? Now, if it, now if it was, say, like, uh, if you saw something that said Bernie 2020 or something, uh, no, don't don't siphon oh, no, that person no. is, is needs the gas and probably is there's, a spare change. There's there's rules to crime. Uh, make sure, it's check the bumper stickers and make sure you uh, understand how to suck from a straw. <laughs> What's your thoughts on uh, pissing Calvins? I personally, I knew some, I saw somebody, I knew somebody, not somebody that I liked. I'll just say that too. They had a pissing Calvin on their car and it was for ex-wife. And I just thought it was very uh, classless. I don't, you know, I think you can't have Calvin without Hobbes. So if you have Calvin pissing sure. on something, unless you have Hobbes pissing on it too, then you shouldn't have it on your car. That's a really good point. Yeah, I would have felt different if the crew was there, at least. And then, you know, whatever they want to be mad at, I guess, is their choice. But a lot of the time, have you seen when they do the piss, it's always like a really awful-looking Calvin, and it's always like some other car. Like, one I've seen was like the Apple logo. And it's like, yeah, I get it. You don't like the Apple, like, iPhone and iMac and whatever. But it's like, you put that on your car... <laughs> Who the hell is, is some babe or some somebody cool waving you down at the stoplight? And it's like, oh, I fucking hate Apple too. That Calvin's hilarious. Like, want to get some beers? Like, yeah, like no, that, you're that's, dork. Yeah, fuck Toyota. Fuck them. Yeah, man. I fucking, I like your car and your sticker. Like, you're two for two. Like, you're fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. You like Punisher too? <laughs> what? It's the Calvin yeah. sticker that did the, what is it? The, the Calvin sticker, the Punisher sticker. What are stereotypical? Uh... Trying to think. The Calvin one definitely has stood out in my mind for a while. Um, I mean, there's always I like the know. family ones, you know, like the the dad and then like the, the mom and then it's like the three kids. And it's like, but the yeah. theme is, oh, uh, one looks like Han Solo. One looks like Princess Leia. And then the kids are all Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of variations on that one. And now the only one that I respect is the one that has a T-Rex and it eats the stick family. Now that now that is that's a that's a next level sticker to put on a car. Yeah. My T-Rex eats your stick family. I've seen that a few times now. My T-Rex eats your honor roll student. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have never seen a honk if you're horny bumper sticker in, in real life yet, which is weird. Mm. You know what? I, maybe that needs to get started up again by people. I have seen a baby on board sign. I have seen, I have even seen last year, the elusive Garfield from the eighties, that Garfield sticker on the car. Sweet. So I think we need to bring that back. We need to bring this, the Garfield on the cars uh and then maybe like um uh, 
how is my driving? And then actually put in your phone number. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, the government would like that for sure. But you know, like, but now it becomes a conversation piece. So now, if you really want to make friends, you know what? Actually, I'm gonna run with it. It's a brilliant idea. Other than they need to figure out uh, talking on the phone in your car, because now I'm seeing it as like a cop could just call you up, you know, and while you're still driving, because he's got the number there. He's just like, hey man, what the fuck's going on? You gotta chill out. You're like, oh yeah, sorry, I was, you know. I was smoking. I didn't realize I was speeding. I slowed down a little bit. Or same deal. You know, the babe that you see, you can call. Uh, babes might be mad about this. A lot of creeps would be calling them, I guess. Oh, There's yeah, always a good. problem. I should There's bring back truck nuts. Got to bring truck, truck nuts, nuts back. Yeah, they're prevalent in my area. In the Midwest, there's truck nuts out there. I think we need to have like, yeah, there's the, the truck nuts, but I think there needs to be like some others. I think like, you know, you might want like trunk dongs, like just like a big old wang just flapping around. Maybe Maybe a, it's like if, if you have truck nuts, maybe you need to have like a, the actual spray painting or, you know, some real paint work done above so that there's like a pr- appropriate butthole on like your tail bed, tailgate before it. Exactly. Exactly. That's something that needs to be addressed and something that should be sold at participating car wash dealerships across the country. That's that's the conversation starter. You come for the butthole on the back of the truck. You talk about the nuts afterwards. And then you come up with fun versions of air fresheners, too. Yeah, sure. Why not? Because then, you know what? You know, we're in this world where there's like all sorts of new candles, mandals, and all that, like fresh bacon and uh whiskey and and sea salt what why don't we have that as air air fresheners go imagine you're an uber driver and like they go in and instead of like smelling the same new car scent or pina colada you walk in and and what is it carnival candy rain total body fuel hell yeah total body fuel for my air freshener, I'll try it out at least. This is this is from the same people who bring you Quagmire from Family Guy. Giggity goo. Uh, <laughs> Family Guy and TBS friggin' sweet. Um, <laughs> so, I guess we're, we're getting a little off track here with the elevator show. We got a little off track there. I don't know. It happened out of nowhere. I, you know what? I, I still, I'm on board with it. Game shows are fun in this regard because of the way you can just. I, I think this is this is that was a game show discussion because cars, new cars. I mean, hey, there you it go. Started there. It, it all led from uh, talking about the show. Sasuke sisters. They are exactly like uh, lemon HDZ. <laughs> rain body, rain toll body fuel. Because uh, they're a bit sour, but also a bit sweet. Oh yeah, they probably take that compliment. And figure out which one of them is which. They're both. They're both. Because it's, it's two cans at once. And then you stone cold and you smash the can up and then you pour it in your mouth. Hell yeah. Hey, that, that's, how you, that's how you properly address uh, the Sasuke Twisters. <laughs> you just... While the Stone Cold Steve Austin theme plays in the background. <laughs> that's how you satisfy the fans. Uh, so... It's a GSN original. It had a huge budget, and I think the reason the show got canceled was simply put because uh, the the budget, even though it's a Blumhouse production, 
was a little too much. Uh, I love the direction of the show. The way they address like close-ups of the contestants to showing their actual fear, to showing the warehouse itself, to run sequences back to the elevator, to when you see the Sasuke sisters in the control room. Every single place feels like it means something to the show. And you have this nice storyline addressing it, uh, which makes it a very fun show. But to me, because of how much I hate jump scares and oh no snakes and spiders, this is like my least favorite GSN show because if I show up here, I'm going to be breaking like set walls. I will be like punching scare actors. I will be like getting arrested on set. I mean, I would do all right um, if I had been honest with them and told them what I was scared of. They definitely would have put a snake in a room with me and that would have made me uncomfortable. But I could have handled uh what they did to these people, I think. But they do. They do tell people because I'll admit that I, I would have. I would. You would have caught me sounding silly, but I would have made a. I would have done all right. This, but they also did try to go with that because the what the cool part I forgot to say, but was when they do the introduction sequence of "Let's Meet the Contestants." They have like this cork board, almost like it's like <laughs> like a conspiracy theory red yarn. Where it's like, here is Sabrina. She's a chef. She fears heights in in warm water. Why warm water? It was funny. They walked in and uh, they like first thing they did when they walk in on this show is they see that on the mirror it said, uh, "Very glad to eat you." And then they turn around and then it says like a menu and she was like, oh, my name's on the menu. <laughs> yes, that was the funniest because it's like the schlockiest horror cliches you can think of. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like if, if Sleeves and I go through this, okay, and they're somehow they're like, we got a uh, we got podcasters doing the elevator today. And then it's like we walk in and the thing says, very glad to eat you like sleeves is going to say something about ass and it's going to get out of hand and i'm going to turn around and say like whoa my name's on the menu that's fucking cool big time stuff and then the guy runs out and probably scares us but you know before that we're having a good time it's the what if the ghost is listening to your podcast ah ah yes when they're they're in the elevator and somebody finally when he's by himself they're just like I can see you. It's like you pull that on sleeves or somebody sneaky. They're just going to say, I know you can, you creep, perv. Now, do you see me pee? I come. Yeah, you see me pee in the corner of the elevator? Did you catch that? Got freaked out. <laughs> Today's story is about a podcaster. Mark Marin was all WTF until he realized his subscriber count went down. And that's when he became crazy. Is he Mark Marin? <laughs> or Mark Marin uh, archetype. So that's when he uh, killed his guest. Uh, we... That's when things got out of hand. Things went out of hand, and they they stuffed the doughboys into a a fridge freezer. <laughs> Your job is to try and and take the wallet of Mike Mitchell. <laughs> out. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> I can just imagine if the doughboys are listening to this, like <laughs> Mitch is going, "What the fuck? Why am I brought up in this?" But then it's like. 
then you have to add like a jump scare actor and you gotta add like the twisted twins because everything was like all themed around their occupation which i thought was kind of clever uh which is what i liked about the show i think the the storytelling the writing of a game show is important and something like this makes it good but hell no i'm not going on the damn elevator yeah i mean i uh you know I was out there. I might do it. Try to win some money. Um, I'm definitely down with promoting uh, the twins and uh, anything they're behind. But uh, you know, it did get canceled. So you know, the people spoke. I guess the people spoke that the elevator got canceled. <laughs> uh, feel free to come up with your own joke as to why a uh, elevator got canceled right now. Uh, too bad I'll never go on Saturday Night Live. Oh, well. Uh, so we've explained basically the premise of the show. You complete different challenges, one person per game. They're walkie-talkies to help them out. Uh, money goes up with each game, but it's a little bit more difficult. Simulate death in Season 1. Go into a glass cage in Season 2. Uh, crappy horror game in, in the labyrinth in the end of season one season two was the betch better inferno run which i thought added a much better element to the game plus the ticking clock adds a nice element of suspense to an already suspenseful game show i still don't want jump scares happening to me and i still don't want spookies uh but the storyline uh is the exciting part of elevator the final question when it comes to this show because of its direction and all that is, should we bring that show back? I mean, it sounds like we should, like, campaign to bring Elevator back, even if it's for, like, a short run, right? I mean, yeah, why not? Let's give them the 4-rep or the 8-rep. Let's double it down. Let's get two sets of twins. We're getting double-twisted twins for host. We're going balls to the wall and just bringing it back for a run. Why not? And, uh, yeah, they just, like, have four episodes or so it just like we don't need that much keep it the way it was and the worst part about elevator at least for this was for the sake of this episode it was so fucking hard to find an episode <laughs> they were pushing okay. the hell out of elevator for like the last four years it was easy it used to be on netflix it used to be up on hulu now you can't find it anywhere and it's kind of a weird like confusing thing why it is um, that the episode to find it, and this is no joke, we had to go through Facebook. Just some poor person at like PR for a game show network had unlocked an episode of Elevator to gear up for season two. And it's like, okay then. That I think it's a little annoying. If, if you can't bring back the show Elevator, at least make an easy way for us to watch it. Because the writing and the uh, the fucked up behavior of some of these quote unquote psychopaths, they kind of call they call like much every villain a psychopath. Uh, sweet but psycho. A little sweet, pretty psycho. Uh, <laughs> that it, it's very interesting. Is there anything you would want to see on the elevator? Okay, if I'm going with the elevator format, um, they're giving the story. I mean, I, I mean, the horror stories I like are very fun. So you know, I'd appreciate if it kind of had that uh, that college 
camp kind of summer romp scare stuff going on. If uh, if we had like a some counselors or something that are going through the elevator and having to deal with things, and uh, I don't know, maybe make it a little more fun for me. Ooh, you know what? I like where your direction's headed. Okay, so follow me on this one. I'm just, this is really off the top of my head. This feels completely improvised, kind of is. What if we take it outside the, the slaughterhouse? Unless you want to drop the S, make it a laughter house. Ha ha. Um, and you put it at a summer camp. Uh-huh. So now, know, it, should, it all comes down to um, having the mast at the start, okay? And then whenever, whatever, they ride the elevator, they get out on the bottom one, and then they're like, oh, shit. I'm at the beach on the lake. Yes. Okay. Now, now you know what? Back on board with the elevator. Like just like this random. It can go anywhere. So you're like they need to make the the elevator uh, portable. You're in the beach, and then there's like a sandcastle, and it's you have to crush this little kid's sandcastle. And it's like the girl from like the Ring movies just screaming at you. It's like you got to hang up these clothes on the clothesline on the beach, but uh, Jason's about to run at you. If you put the towels in the correct order, it spells out a five-letter word. Uh, I see. Uh, Yeah, knock down all the all the sandcastles and find the pieces. I mean, we're we're basically writing episodes for them if they wanted to do it. Please hire us. We got ideas here. Uh, Okay, so we have the beach. Uh, summer camp counselor. Uh, so, okay, so someone uh, burned to death in the fire pit making s'mores. So find the s'mores stuff. Uh, in the, in yeah, the, the counselors were being the counselors were having an orgy, and you know, thirty of the kids all died in a s'mores fire because they lit a fire in the actual building and were doing it like idiots, and nobody knew. And now we're trying to just find some puzzle pieces so i try to make a couple grand and if you can find the uh the elusive condom you get an extra five thousand dollars yeah if you can find the condom you need to siphon out the condom whatever is within the condom into this bucket to free your friends and make 10 grand yeah there we go we did it uh nothing can be more scarier uh than elevated horror so we're taking a cue from escape room and we're putting you in an escape room Uh, over in the, you know what it reminds me of that uh what was that M Night level devil the the one that was like in set in the haunted elevator. Hmm. It was an M Night. I'm not sure if I know it. Uh, let me see. Oh, M Night might have missed one of his. Uh, M Night Shyamalan. It was what was it called? What was it that horror where they dropped down in the uh, devil? It was called Devil. Devil. Okay. I haven't seen that one. Uh, it was this spooky movie where they were in the elevator, and it, instead of like escaping, it was just supposed to be like, uh, oh, they're stuck, and then they all go crazy and insane, and what's going on? Yeah. Almost everything M. Night Shyamalan does almost feels like it could just be one little floor on the elevator. Like, you could open up the doors, and then it's like, oh, these people's grandparents want to put me in the oven. Uh, they did that. No, they did that. They put there was one challenge in season one where it really was just, hi, here's some hooded cloaked figure. They're gonna tie a lady up onto a tra- like a tractor, and all she has to do is free herself as she's getting closer and closer to a fire pit. 
Uh, okay, so yeah, they are already on it. I, I should have known. It's hard to come up with an original idea. They never. No, none of these came were ideas. Like they even came up with the <laughs> with what I say is the worst trope: is your head is in the box, the head in the box, okay. get out of the maze, and as you navigate through the maze, uh oh, snakes and spiders drop into the box. Yeah, I mean, this is a perfect time for me to do my. What's in the box? Well, it's a tarantula. Oh shit! Yep. Well, tarantula. Why don't it, like if it's if you're going hell? I mean, I get you want to do horror cliches. You want to get like wacky guy swinging a knife and a chainsaw wielding uh, hockey mask man. That's no relation to other famous uh, hockey mask wielding psychopaths. I mean, uh, it's hard to beat, you know, the original. You can't beat the original, but with with Elevator, there's something exciting about the show. We've talked about the look. We've talked about the format. They had, like, some weird CGI thing. Uh, I think they were actually planning on making, like, a phone app, but I think that dropped out. Um, okay. And we talked about the... Uh, if possible reboot so we got through everything we like the idea of a team-based format i think that's also a thing this is not a everyone's against each other game this is a friendly everyone's in this together as a team they want to survive as a team be friends as a team so yay teamwork makes the dream work that's the in conclusion what how do you stop a uh the joker from the batman movies you get a team of chefs Get somebody to pull off the heist of all heists, the heist that outsmarts the Joker. The Joker. If you can beat the Joker in his heist game with twins watching you and belittling you, you win. Yeah, the Joker and his twins. And we're not talking Harley Quinn here, although one of them did do Harley Quinn cosplay. Oh, okay. I could see them being into that. If you if you love the Clown Girls, and I know some of you do, I see your likes. Maybe give Elevator a try. Uh, so, so Bobby, before we get out of here, we have a speed round here. Uh, listen, to that. Yeah. we have questions. This is like a real game show. Uh, okay, shit, I'm nervous now. All right. Five questions, sixty seconds to answer all five questions. Okay, I don't. There's no. I don't get to know what it's about. It's just coming, huh? Yeah. For everyone right, that you get right. correct, you get one free plug. You get all five right, that's five free plugs. Okay, let's see. I hope I get any. All right. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Luckily, you don't have to leave the elevator. Thankfully. What's the best candy to get for Halloween? Best candy? Um, Twix. Freddy or Jason? Uh, Jason. Are you dressing up for Halloween? What's your favorite Bloomhouse movie? Bloomhouse. Okay, I might get it wrong because um, when I think Bloomhouse, I think all the window face Juan, which is my nickname for James Wan. I think all of his movies are under there. So I'm going to say um, I think Insidious is Bloomhouse. Oh, that would be it. It is. Insidious is. If you were on Elevator, what would your partners be? Partners, uh, okay, I'll go with my, uh, I'll go with the triad. I'm in the triad with Comrade Notice Me and Uncle Howard on Twitter, so I'll go with them. Why not? Okay. Dangerous folk. Okay, stop the clock. I guess you had sleeves together because it's a four, so you did it. You got five free plugs. 
Sleeves is always the alternate for if uh, if I go to the park and play basketball or anything, I only need to find a few, you know. You got it, all five. Uh, oh, yeah. Whew, I was nervous. See, you won five free plugs. Very tough questions. You got through it all. What would you like to plug? All right, I get five plugs. All right, um, well, anybody that's listening, um, if you don't know, I have the podcast with my 13-year-old buddy, Sleeves, from the Bug Fam. It's uh, the Bobby Horror Picture Show podcast. You can find it. Um, it uh, the Twitch show is also uh, the Twitch show is going to be my second plug. We do a live call in on Monday nights. It's at uh, six Pacific Standard Time. You uh, call up, tell us what's going on, or you know we might talk about the Joker movie or something. What, All right. So now address? I'm on the three. What did tw- you say? What's the Twitch address? Twitch.tv slash. Uh, the Twitch address is It's Me Sleeves, and then uh, the podcast show has a uh, at Sleeves Podcast. But you're the host, not so Sleeves. All... Yeah, Sleeves. Sleeves handles the, the technical work. That's why a lot of things are tied into that. I don't really bother with, uh, you know, worrying about uh, stuff. You can't sweat that. You're the talent. Say. You're the talent. You have no time for the production work. Yeah, Sleeves does production work. He writes a little bit of bits. Um, you know, he's trying. He's basically pitching a lot of stuff, and he's big in the the Bug Fam, so people love him. And uh, all the rest of my shout outs are just going to be to uh, people that I like online here. First off, uh, for number three, I'm just going to say everybody's got to follow Kate Raft. She's doing amazing things. She brought Yellow to us. She brought Fall way the fuck before everybody else these dipshits in my town they're telling me fall started like a week ago they had no clue what the hell was going on so she's cutting edge for number four i'm gonna say max Mayer. everybody's heard him on the Doughboys. he's a friend i think and he's a great man and uh if you don't follow him on twitter on twitter same deal and the last one i'll do because we just did a podcast with her um, comrade noticed me who's in the slurp fam. She says she might be at the next book con. She's a great person and said some nice things to me online. So I'm going to say that, uh, she needs to listen to this episode to hear her name said, and, uh, always listen to Jordan's podcast too. So and, that's all my shout outs, I guess. And comrade, please send me back a DM. I didn't want you to come on over this weird ass game show podcast too. Kate has already showed up inside so Max, but. Uh, Kate did uh, Tattletales and awesome. was like right on her way to work. That was fantastic. And then Max did The Price is Right. Oh, yeah. Max got a good one then. Oh, no. This was the old school one. So this was like before Bob. So oh, this was shit. Like, okay. No, it, uh, it was like this bizarre show where it's like, okay, how much is for like the the like a, a bedroom set? $200. You did it. And then suddenly a big ring-a-ding-ding bell. Not only have you won a bed, but you need to sleep. So you're going to go to an all-expense-paid trip to a hotel in London. Whoa! Ding, ding, ding. And that's not all. You also won a house. Hell yeah. And it was just fun hearing Max get all shocked over some of these prizes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he's, a, he's a giddy, happy man. So, yeah, a fucking house. That's a prize. When it comes to Bazizio gaming, I like to take it to the max. Hashtag take it to the max. Take it to the max. I'm going to, as soon as we're done with this, I'm about to tweet out hashtag take it to the max. And I'm just, Max Mayer is going to know it's about him. So, Bob, 
thank you so much for stopping by and being today's winner. Thank you for having on. This is the first podcast I'd, uh, I've recorded uh, outside of the one I'm on with Sleeve. So, you know, if if I were a big git, this would be a git. But thank you for asking me on. It was <laughs> Oops, sorry, Ranger. That's my dog. A big thanks once again to Bobby for stopping by. The Bobby Horror Picture Show is available over at the Buzzcast Network. Uh, so so if you want to check it out, go right ahead. Sleeves might be joining me in a few months to talk about another weird game show that maybe he'll enjoy. Um, I should really preface this by saying uh, a few weeks ago, there was this whole storyline about the Buzzcast Network, and I would refuse uh that was never the case i just want to remind people that was supposed to be a goof uh but then as it turns out you know the uh i worked myself into a shoot brother and i got really depressed because well i can't really feel like i made it and it, it, it's kind of hurtful i get it because uh, because you know this is a world of, of almost sarcasm almost irony and i like to play honest i like to be you know genuine honest hoss and, uh, you know, saying something like that, it feels like I wasn't being genuine to you, the audience, and also kind of hurt my feelings a bit to do that. So I kind of am trying to push back on, on some of the uh, quote-unquote bug fam and slurp fam because it really is messing with my head of who is and isn't my friend, who is genuine, who is not. I It kind of just, it just messes with your head that I just couldn't really um, continue on with the bit. But that being said, the Buzzcast Network is a real podcast network uh, full of a bunch of uh, basically people in the, the, the bug main cult or, or the Jack AM Slurp Fam cult uh, who have their own podcasts like the Dune Boys and Uncle to Uncle, uh, previous guests of this very podcast, as they uh, talk about the things that they enjoy. Uh, it And a lot of those people, I will say, are actually decent, nice, and some of them might be very genuine people. I haven't talked to everybody there. I think most of them, Bobby especially, is very genuine and honest and nice. Um, that it, it, It's one of those things that you should probably check out. Uh, check out the Buzzcast Network. It's very indie. It's very indie terrestrial radio. It, it's kind of fascinating. The kind of uh, niches people enjoy and that aren't in, a, uh, in an ironic sense. I think that's what I enjoy about listening to some of those podcasts. It's, you know, people might say, oh, that movie sucks. But then here's this person just bleeding out everything they love about the movie. And I don't think they're doing an improvised bit about why the bad movie's good. I really do like the bad movie. So please check out Bobby Horror Picture Show. It's a lot of fun. Uh, as far as what I would do for Elevator, first of all, I would not put it on GSN. I've uh, recorded this episode a few weeks back. I talked to Cindy of Game Show Gumbo about Elevator, and she had the same thought I did. Of the big cat, the big fall of this was it's on GSN. Blumhouse was a great production company, and it was a fascinating format. But the problem was GSN being the network. It, it really should have been something on like the Sci-Fi Channel or maybe Chiller or or something that is more themed to horror. I mean, this could be a Paramount Network thing for all we know. Um, but for my version of Elevator, I, I think I, I said a version in the ver with, with, with Bobby, with the, basically the Elevator is different rooms and they go different places. 
Uh, in my real version of this, I would make it three teams of three, uh, and it's always two people with a pre-existing relationship and one complete stranger. So it becomes a bit of a trust issue with the one person versus the couple, but they all have to work together as a team of three. Uh, and it is played in four halves. Uh, I, I know, four halves makes no sense. But Act 1 is played with one player, and they go to one weird room. There's no horror story per se. It is The stories are all individual episodic. Because they can go into different rooms. So one time they open the door, it could be looking like a kitchen. The next, it could look like a dark forest. The next, it could look like they wandered into a haunted house. We don't know. Uh, but in each of these rooms, there are three small tasks to complete within the time limit. I wrote down five minutes. Um, it could be six. But it's various tasks. Now, they don't have to do one to get to the next to get to the next. It's a little mini task based on what to do. Uh, if they can complete one task, uh, it's a 15-second limit. If they complete two of the three, it's 30 seconds. And then if they complete all three and make it back to the elevator on time, it's a full minute of time. Kind of like Crystal Maze. Now, this is rinse repeated for all three players for all three different rooms. They do not know which room they're getting. So that adds to the layer of mystery. Once all three people have gone to their individual floors, uh, if they survive, as in like they made it to the elevator on time, they all travel to the final floor where they can actually play for money. Uh, if they fail, they are quote unquote killed off, just like in the show. Uh, and it's in a, f and then we give them uh, just like in Who Done It, and I guess in the new case of Killer Camp, they get their own like fake acting death sequence uh, tailor made to the room which I think would be kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> when they go to the final, when they go to the bottom floor, uh, they get to go through, quote unquote, the basement. In the basement, they're given only the time that they have acquired from the first three rooms to complete the challenge. Why, yes, that requires at least one person to complete one task. Huh, interesting. What they have to do is in the basement... Find the four-digit code, uh, unlock the key code, and then leave. If they can get out within the time limit, uh, they're quote-unquote safe, and they get to keep any money they've won. Hooray! If they fail, you know where that's coming from, simulated death. But to eat away at the time, it's, you know, it could, we could do pitch black. They have to find the code. And not only that, there is money layered all over the basement it's on the floor it's in the cupboards it's it's on top of a television it's in the sofa and we're looking at i'm gonna say fifty thousand dollars in cash just just something that feels like a decent sum of money now it's not all in like big thousand dollar wads like i want like random one dollar bills and seven dollar bill like like ones and fives and tens and twenties and then hundred dollar bills to make it very sporadic that if they want to get out, they have to grab money and then get out. Because for all we know, they could have completed all three floors and got out with no money. Or they could have money, but they couldn't get out in time and they lose all of their money. Which I think makes a fascinating game. I do not know if I want to add money to each floor as like a bonus fourth and final uh, game. 
but something tells me that might be fun and fascinating to do as well. I do not want like this is for $5,000. I do not want this is for $2,000. I want it to be, they have to do the thing for time. Time is important because of the final task. And then there's money uh, in front of them to basically serve as a caveat, which I think makes the game a bit fascinating. I think that is is what I would love to see in, in a version of Hellevator. Because you want to try and make sure there's some limitations of trust within the team. Because one is a stranger and one's a pair. You want to tell a story with the floors. That if you can do like a four minute floor story, you can. And then if you want to go on the cheap side of things, you can tell two or three stories based on one individual floor. Like if there's a kitchen, mad chef, mad butcher. Who knows? Uh, and you can repurpose that for a few episodes. I think it has to be uh, definitely maybe like a strip five episodes just in time for Halloween and nothing else because uh, if, you can't really air a horror show in, uh, say, Valentine's Day. Although, who knows in this world of game shows that we live in. Uh, I, li- I like the concept of Elevator. I think the production is nice. The budget they create is good. The music is fantastic. The Twisted Twins were great hosts. I would definitely keep them in this version as well. Uh, so, so something has to be uh, done to try and do like a newer version of Elevator. I, I think if you're going to do a Elevator, it needs to feel less like this is a formulaic game show and more like they are in a horror movie and the money part comes at the end because uh, there's $50,000 scattered around in the basement and they got to get as much money as possible and then get out. So, hey, if you want to do Ono Snakes and Spiders in the basement, go right ahead. I, I don't really care much. I think that's cheap scares. But at least it would fit for the concept of Elevator, uh, which is kind of fascinating to me. Anyway, uh, it's now time for the 110-part series, exploring every pricing game on The Price is Right. This is The Pricing Game Spotlight. The phone home game. Or should I say like the like the ET like phone home? It's the phone home game. Anyway, phone home game. Premiere date September twelfth, nineteen eighty three. Number four nine nine one D. Finale date November third, nineteen eighty nine. Seven four zero five D. I was wondering when that would come in. Anyway, the phone home game was so-called because the contestant involved got to play with a home viewer by telephone, trying to share big cash prizes up to a total of $15,000. It's named for its reference to the phrase spoken by E.T. in the 1982 movie. Remember, this is 1983, uh, but this should not be confused with the telephone game, that weird game with the Rolodex we talked about earlier uh, with the dimes. Uh, okay, so... A gameplay. During much of the 1980s, The Price is Right had a feature called Play Along, where viewers were invited to send postcards to the show for a chance to receive the same prizes won by in-studio contestants. This was also done on things like Press Your Luck, for instance. At one point, uh, Double Dare, because of the little postcard box. Anyway, uh, so the phone home game took this concept to a next level. 
having the person whose postcard was drawn participate by telephone in a cooperative effort with the in-studio contestant to split a cash prize of up to $15,000. So in other words, up to $7,500 each. Yay. The home player communicated by way of a telephone receiver as part of the game's prop. The in-studio contestant was shown a game board listing seven grocery items, each having an amount of money concealed beside it. The home player had been prepared with a list of their products and their actual prices. The home player gave the in-studio contestant three prices, one at a time. The in-studio contestant had to match the price to the correct product on the board. If they were correct, the two contestants earned the amount of money concealed next to that product on the board, which was not revealed until the end of the game. If the pick was wrong, no money was earned, and both the wrongly guessed product and the product with actually matched the price were taken out of play. Uh, since the price of the incorrect choice was revealed. Once all three prices were played, the money concealed beside any correctly guessed products was revealed, and the two players split the winnings evenly. The home player was only supposed to give a price to the in-studio contestant. If the home viewer ever read out the name of an item that team would lose their turn. Prize money. The seven products concealed the following price amounts. $200 and $1,000 were each appeared twice. The top three prices were $2,000, 3000 and $10,000 each appeared once. So in other words, $200, dollars $1,000, $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, $10,000. Uh, for a top prize of $15,000 split between the contestants. The game lasted from September 12, 1983 to December 3rd, uh, November 3rd, 1989. At least two players of players split the full $15,000 prize. There were also contestant pairings who failed to win any money, including one in which the home player named the product instead of a price on all three turns, thus completely ending the game. As in, you lose a turn, you lose a turn, you lose a turn. The home viewer was called before the taping of the show began and was put on hold until the game was played. The staff reasoned that keeping someone on hold for over 20 minutes would be impolite, so the game was always played in the first half of a show. The podium housing the seven items was an entirely rarely seen on camera. Until the set revamp in 2007, there was still a jack for the phone home game's telephone to be plugged into on the frame on one of the show's big doors. We're not kidding. There were phone cords. Contestants calling from home would remain eligible to be in-studio contestants on The Price is Right. This is the only game in the show's history that could be teased by Bob the day before it was played. Tune in, I just might be calling you, even though the show was taped weeks or months in advance. The phone home game took an annual hiatus early November until late January due to the Christmas memories-themed home viewer showcase taking place at the time. Despite this, the game was played often when active. During the 12th season, when it was first introduced, it was sometimes played two or even three times a week. The most number of times this was played in any season was 35. Uh, the retirement. The game got retired because the staff thought the game took too long to play and didn't draw enough interest. And you know what? They were right. I saw this game get played, and I just... There's something about it that I just can't really get involved with. I think it's the whole... You're you're calling in somebody, and I guess this is interactive game shows. Game shows are an interactive medium. It makes sense. But if you're trying to... If you're just calling someone... If you're talking to Bob Barker, and you're going, 239, uh, uh, 799, that's it. That's all you do. It, it just kind of just... Eh. It, for for the caller, 
it's a crapshoot. You're basically playing deal or no deal. One in seven chance of getting the uh, getting the ten thousand dollars. The the rest, who knows? But even then, you're not getting the full ten thousand. You're only getting five thousand of that ten. And for the in studio contestant, they're basically playing which grocery item matches this price, which is fine, I guess. And I do not see this game ever returning, considering the days of Skype and the days of Twitter. This, this would just be a very uh, weird show to have if they're trying to have the idea being that game shows were taped that day and we're doing phone calls where people are clearly wearing uh, sweater coats and this is airing in April, for instance. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think there's some sort of way to bring this back in some regard. If you can have it be like... Uh, match the price with the product and you win the item and then there's like 1000 2000 3000 4000 5000 and then at 10000 that would that would be fun you have six items and 25000 to win and then there's one that's zero so you, then you can always like screw around cuz i think 5 10 yeah that'll be 10 that'll be uh, all of them and then you just have to sort them out and you only have one chance that would be fun and then you can have it be somewhat of of uh, of like a game where it's trying to retain as much as the 25,000 as possible. That's how you redo it, but you can't call it the phone home game. Uh but you can always call it like I don't know, uh self checkout or you know there's a game called checkout. Uh auto scan, something. I'll get back to you on this one. Uh but next time on the pricing game spotlight because of this boring game. Uh, we will be walking down the Walk of Fame. We'll be taking the Walk of Fame. That's that's it's it, it's Walk of Fame. So before we get going here, I just wanted to say I saw a course of British game show, and I decided to talk about it right now. So we are in the Spooky Ween Halloween uh, special now. Usually, when it comes to scary themed game shows. Uh, Release the Hounds would be airing on ITV, and it didn't this year. Uh, but it's, what's weird is in its place is another quote-unquote scary-based game show, but it's not really in the horror movie of modern as it is trying to be a throwback to 1980s. This is a game show called Killer Camp. Uh, in Killer Camp, there are 11 quote-unquote campers that enter a show that they believe is called Summer Camp. They all wear 80s outfits, you know, the highest tops, the mustaches, avier glasses, uh, and each of them follow a different cliche, the jock, the nerd, the, the popular one, the outcast, etc. When they about to reach the summer camp, uh, one of the quote-unquote contestants blows up and is dead. Uh, of course, it's simulated death, think who done it. So now we go from 11 campers down to 10. The host who plays camp counselor, his name is Bobby Mayer. Uh, he's Canadian, by the way, but they still somehow make American stuff. Uh, he basically plays like the teenage camp counselor who doesn't know what the hell is going on. And he goes, oh, no, you got that kill. That sucked. Oh, no, that was from the killer. You got to stop your, gotta stop the killer. Uh, there are 10 of you left, and the killer will be killing one of you every night for the next five nights. But along the way, you can win up to $15,000. Yes, Fifteen thousand American dollars in a British game show where they use pounds. Oh well, 
Uh, so there's 10 contestants that start the show. One of those 10 is the killer. Ooh. And the game is simple. That killer, all he has to do is go undetected for the next five nights. While along the way, make some plots of who to kill. Uh, each night, he he hires Bruce the Handyman to create a scenario where someone dies. There are 10 contestants that start one night or nights. The, it's played with three parts every night. There's always three games played. One is for cash, one is for a clue, and the other is for safety. The first game is played for up to $3,000. Any money the team does not collect goes to the killer. And the killer is on the team, so there will be some manipulation similar to the mole going on. So for the killer... Uh, the game is basically about how much money can you get out of 3000 times five nights means $15,000 is at stake. At the end of the game, anybody who can't figure out the killer is dead, and anyone who correctly predicts it gets to keep the uh, the camper book. Uh, the killer, I guess, gets everything else. They didn't really specify the, the values of this, especially in the day three twist, but shh, more on that in just a bit. The second game is a team game, and it's for information. This is information about who the killer is, such as the the killer's favorite food is a steak or something like that, which doesn't really give you that much of a clue, but you can kind of hint at it. Uh, It's kind of fun because it's another team game. So the first game, it's played as as an entire group. You're played as a huge group together. The second game is played with teams of two. So now we split the teams, do like a red team or a yellow team. That also adds something to the game. And then the third game is an individual. It's everyone for themselves for the immunity. If you get the immunity, you don't get to die at the end of the episode, which is fun. But when they go to the camp, they then after all three games have been played, uh, the killer, while in the confessional, says two names of people they want to see die. Then they play something like the murder game where they go their separate ways. And then the camp counselor, uh, Bobby, uh, basically says a ghost story. And it's like, there were two guys and they were going their separate ways. And you wouldn't believe it. One of them had their head just cleared off and blood was spilling everywhere. I mean, everywhere. It was horrific. It just starts hewing out like screaming panic and then concludes with like a back to a sedonic but it's just a ghost story right and it's kind of clever now that was the first two nights uh i know I so i'm recording this on day three day four is going to be out in like a few hours after this episode airs and halloween is the fifth and final night so the first two nights I have seen, the first two quote-unquote murders I have seen, one was a decapitation on a Segway scooter because of razor wire. The second was a giant uh, sculpture uh, complete with an erect penis. Uh, the penis breaks off and gets stabs the dude in the eye. So they're all hilarious, like... Supposed to be like for teenagers and young adults. Uh, stabs the dunya and he's dead that way. In day three, there was a twist. Uh, each of the campers had to vote who they think was the killer. Whoever the killer was would be uh, arrested, quote unquote, from the sheriff. 
what happened uh, was they didn't did the ghost story instead of the who does the killer pick to die. I'm guessing because the assumption was if you pick the wrong guy, that person's dead. So you've killed the person yourself. So I'm guessing that was the branching tree on that storyline. Uh, but they found the killer correctly. Rob was the killer. And then he got into the, the police car. And what happened was the big murder guy who was trying to murder the contestants, he stops the car. He busts open the, the sheriff car. He grabs the killer and he just bludgeons them to death. And it's like, that's it, right? You, you're free. You saved the, you stopped the killer. The killer's dead. You did it. You, you won killer camp, right? Wrong. Because in the act two twist, there's another killer out there. So what happens is that now I'm assuming they play it like a shafted or maybe during Ron Cheater where now one of the remaining players isn't a killer again. So they have to pretend like they were there all along. There were two killers all along and they get to split the bank. Maybe that was the bit, I guess, maybe. Would be interesting. Uh, so it it kind of, when it gets to that regard, it kind of just becomes, uh, I think it should have, I think honestly it should have had the, it should have the anonymous rule. If I'm not an anonymous, the uh, unanimous rule. The game show unanimous was that if there was a unanimous decision, the game ends. So it could end on, on first minute all the way to like 13 days where I think if they were going to play this game, they should have done it where if you found the killer, the killer's gone, the game ends, you get your money and the killer gets nothing. I think that should have been it. But if you can, if he goes undetected for five nights, he gets the killer bank and that's it. Something like that should have been the game. But instead we got something weird. Now that being said, this is the perfect camp for me this feels more like the later nightmare at elm street uh movies rather than let's just have like a like like a halloween or uh uh, some sort of like friday the 13th even though the killers kind of has some similarities to that of jason Voorhees. uh it's it's somewhat fascinating of a game because of the thematic i think the art department's great i think the casting is smart i think the competitions are very cheap but very functional that work in this situation that i kind of enjoy uh they did not film this in america they filmed this in i think lufuania which is kind of fascinating as well in that regard too uh to go from to try and make an american summer camp into a horror movie works this is a much better American Horror Story 1984 than American Horror Story 1984. It's so campy, I know, pun intended because summer camp, but also in its over-the-top procedures of the murders, the the host with Bobby, the, the way they present the games, and then the only lull I have is when they are in the camp themselves and they just keep talking about who they think is the killer and who are you, and they start smooching and all the other stuff because this is technically a summer camp, so they're trying to do a love island uh showman's thing uh to me i it's the best horror themed show i've ever seen everything else just plays into horror a little too much for me to get enjoyed but this is so campy and so b-movie horror 
that I dig it so much and I couldn't keep my eyes away from it. This is the perfect Mitch of game show and horror that I just, I love it. Uh, that being said, I do not like the lull of who I think is the killer. I think it still follows into some of the cliches that come with the find the saboteur type situation games. But that being said, if I have to give it a letter grade, I give it a solid B. There are things I don't like about this, but it comes with the format. But when it comes to the genre of creating horror with a game show, Killer Camp is perfect for me. This is the perfect show for me to watch. This is the one I, I'm enjoying a lot. I wish there was a way for American audiences to see this, considering they're setting it as an American summer camp. But I don't know. It feels kind of fucked up that it hasn't happened. This feels like a show that would be on MTV. Without a doubt, See, like 2020, MTV will pick this up for next Halloween. It sounds exactly tailor-made for MTV in the United States in 2020. So be on the lookout for that. It's called Killer Camp. It's on ITV2. I had a great uh, fun time with that. And that's going to do it for us here on the Spooktacular Game Shows, I suppose, special. Uh, if you want to say hello to me on social media, I am Jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A on Twitter. Say hello. Uh, I think now I'm getting a TikTok now that I'm at it. Uh, also, if you like this episode or you want to look back at our episodes, please look at the archive. It's on jordanhaas.com slash podcast. And not only that, but if you have the Apple podcast, do that whole rate five stars and let me know what game shows you want to see. There is a Discord available for you to look at uh, if you want to give your suggestions out. Uh, please request a link over on, on Twitter. Uh, we are working on getting our very own theme song for game shows, I suppose, that should debut in the next few weeks or so. Uh, I hope you guys tune in to listen to that. I love it. Uh, Intellectual Dark uh, Dark Wave uh, created it, and it's a bundle of fun. Uh, other than that, uh, join me next week outside of the horror show that we have as we discuss another great game show, I suppose. Till then, this is Jordan Haas saying goodnight and big smooch. Mwah!